Does everyone know what these are? These are the Ten Commandments. These are not the actual Ten Commandments. The people of God lost those. These are replicas of the Ten Commandments. These are the versions we use in confirmation class. We put these up. The sixth graders look at them. They should know them by now. They learn the Ten Commandments. It's important to learn the Ten Commandments in confirmation class. The Ten Commandments, of course, are part of Martin Luther's catechism. So you should know them too, maybe, if you come to Lutheran Church. But here they are. And when I hold up the Ten Commandments like this on two stone tablet type thingies, who do you think of? Do not say Mel Brooks. <laughs> Moses. Moses. I'm going to put these down for a second. These are not heavy, but they're just kind of awkward. But I'll put them right here in case you don't feel like listening to a sermon today. You can instead memorize the Ten Commandments. There they are, staring you in the face. Do what you got to do. But let's talk about Moses a little bit today. If you don't know Moses, if you don't remember much about Moses, if it's been a few years since you've been to Sunday school class, Moses, here's the thing about him. You go back 14, 1500 B.C. That's 34, 3500 years ago or so. For the people of God, for us at that time, Moses was the guy. He was the main character in the story of the people of God. Moses was the leader. And when I say Moses was the leader, he was kind of the leader in every sense. He was the leader, practically speaking. He kind of led the people, made the day decisions. He was like kind of the governor, the king, the president, however you want to think of him. He was that. But he was also the spiritual leader. He was a prophet. A prophet is one who speaks on behalf of God. God spoke to Moses, shared this word with my people, and, God would, and Moses would share that word with the people. That was him. And our story for today, from the book of Deuteronomy, it takes place towards the very end of Moses' tenure as leader. And by that time, for the people of God, the children of Israel, Moses was something of a legend. It's fair to assume. You know the story of Moses? The story of his life? Well, it started out in Egypt. Moses was born in Egypt. And he was born into slavery. Both of his parents were Israelites. And Israelites in Egypt, they were foreigners. They were slaves. So Moses was a slave in Egypt. The slaves, the, the Hebrew slaves in Egypt, they probably built a lot of the monumental structures that you might see today in pictures of Egypt, like pyramids and, and, and these beautiful, like that, that was built on the backs of slaves. And so Moses was a slave. Not much of a life to be born into. But it was even worse because the king of Egypt at that time, the pharaoh, he had a very specific policy, a policy that was barbaric. That was terrible that we hear about, and it's jarring to our senses on every level. And the policy was, if a male child is born to an Israelite slave, the child is to be murdered, killed. They talk about terrible. And the rationale behind this policy was population control. It was preemptive measures to stop future uprisings. The Pharaoh said, the strong will be strong and the weak must stay weak. And so that's what he did. Yuck. And so Moses was born 
And Moses' mother took him in her arms and looked her baby in the eyes for the first time. Moms, can you imagine? So Moses' mom, what she does, she puts him in a basket. She puts the basket in the Nile River. That didn't work yet. 1500 B.C., right? So she puts the basket in the river. Basket with baby in it floats away down the Nile River. Anybody ever seen the Nile River? It's not a stream. And baby floats away. But luck would have it, someone found that basket. And great luck would have it that the person who found that basket was who? The daughter of the pharaoh. The daughter of the Egyptian king. Talk about winning the lottery. Hit the jackpot. We don't believe in those in the church. This is all part of God's plan. Right? So Moses, the one born a slave, the one born destined to die, he is instead rescued from that and raised in the household of the king of Egypt. He is raised at the tip-top of human society at that time. Talk about destiny. Talk about a miracle. Talk about amazing, right? And we have to skip some parts of the story, but needless to say, Moses grew into a man. And as a man, he re-embraced his roots. Who he was and what he was. He was a Hebrew. He was an Israelite. And the Israelite Moses was called by God. God said to Moses, I've heard the grumbling of my people. 400 years, they have been slaves. And my heart goes out to them. They are struggling, they are suffering, they are oppressed. And I have decided to set my people free. And Moses, you will lead them to freedom. Moses, you will confront the Pharaoh. And you will proclaim the word of God to him. God has commanded you, Pharaoh, let my people go. And Moses hears this. And Moses doesn't want to do it. That sounds like a big job. That sounds kind of scary. That sounds kind of life-threatening. So Moses makes up an excuse. He says, me no talk so good. I'm not so great at public speaking. And Moses, God says to Moses, I'm going to send you anyway. You're going. You're going to do it. Take your brother Aaron. No excuses. And so Moses goes to Pharaoh, let my people go. And God works his wonders through this man, Moses. Ten times, God shows the Pharaoh miracles through Moses. And after the tenth time, Pharaoh gets the message. He's had enough. Get out of here. He says, take your people, take your Israelites and go. You're not slaves anymore. And so the Israelites, they gather up their things, they get their donkeys, they get their, their Christmas decorations. Those don't exist yet either, but you get the idea. They get all their stuff, and they walk out of Egypt. They walk into the desert. But they don't get very far into the desert, and Pharaoh changes his mind. What have I done? I've just gotten rid of a free labor force. They need to come back. They need to build more pyramids, more structures. They need to do my bidding. They need to make bricks. Go and get them. He sends the army after the Israelites, thousands of Israelites in the desert. He sends his army after them, and they chase them. They chase them to the foot of the Red Sea. 
So you have an army behind you. You have the Red Sea in front of you. You think to yourself, if you're one of those people, God has brought us into the desert to die. We are going to die. But then what does God do? God opens the Red Sea. And the people of Israel, the children of God, they walk through the bed of where the Red Sea once was. They walk to freedom. They walk to safety. Because anything is possible with God. And the sea closes behind them. And behind them is slavery. Behind them is oppression. Behind them is Egypt. And in front of them, that great promise, that great hope, that great expectation, the promised land. A country of their own. A land flowing, as God tells them, with milk and with honey. Everything you could ever hope for. The perfect place to dwell for the rest of your days, for the rest of all of your descendants' days. And so they made their way to that promised land. They wandered in the desert for 40 years. They stopped at Mount Sinai, where God gave Moses his law, his Ten Commandments. God revealed his will, what he wants for his people, to Moses, to all his people through Moses, to us through Moses. And there were hard times. There were disappointments. There was times of want. There were times of plenty. There were many times when the people of God turned their back on God. How could you turn your back on God? God had done all this for you. How could you turn your back on God? But they did anyway. But God gave them grace upon grace upon grace. And they arrive at the foot of the promised land, the land of Canaan. Thanks be to God. And thanks to Moses. Because in that camp, Moses, as I said, was a legend. Moses was everything. For the thousands of people gathered there that day, the children of God, Moses was the only leader they'd ever known. Moses was the one for whom God worked his wonders. Moses was the one who spoke the word of God. Moses was the one through whom God revealed his law on stone tablets. He was the main character. He was the focal point. He was the leader. And then one day, there was a breaking news story. Moses' time was up. He wasn't going to be the leader anymore. He wasn't going to get to go into the promised land. And when you read this story in the Bible, and I know a lot of you know this story, I know a lot of you have heard this story before, you kind of tend to just kind of keep reading, keep going. Okay, well, what happened next? But let's pause right here. And as best we can, try and capture the humanity of that moment when they found out that Moses wasn't getting to go into the promised land. Because I imagine it was a moment of disappointment, a moment of desperation, a moment of fear. How do you think Moses felt when God gave him the news? Hey, Moses. You don't get to go in. I don't know how he felt. 
I know how I would feel. Man, I know how I would feel. So, I've given up my life to leading these people. I've done what you've asked. I've gone into the desert. Desert's hot. Forty years in the desert. Big picture, I, I've, I've been a good soldier. I've been a good person. I, I've done everything. I've slipped up here and there, but they were minor things. I fought the good fight. I, I, I told the people about this promised land, about how great it was going to be, about how that was our goal, our focus, our destination. That was everything. I told them. I told them. I told them everything you told me to tell them. I put up with them. And all their grumbling, all their complaining, the constant complaining, the constant idolatry, all the times they had better ideas, I put up with it. I've given my life to you, to this, to this dream. I've dreamed this dream. And I don't even get to put my feet in the sand. I, I can smell the air. I can smell the Dead Sea. I can taste the salt in the air. It's so real. It's so close. It's right there. Thy will be done. All right. And then imagine that moment from the perspective of the rest of the people. We're going in without Moses. To the people, I think it's fair to assume, we have a word, a label we use for people like Moses. And that word is irreplaceable. Do you know anybody that seems irreplaceable in your life? Maybe you do. And to those people, Moses had to seem irreplaceable. We're going without Moses. Moses, it's, it's everything. Yeah, we believe all things are possible with God. We've seen so much, but all things have been possible with God only so far when Moses is there with his stick. This is the biggest step. This is the most important part of the journey going into the promised land. It's a land that's still fraught with peril. There's a lot of leading to be done. And without him, I, I don't see it working. I, I, I don't see it happening. I don't know how we can go on without him. Desperation. Doubt. Despair. But God had a plan. God says to Moses, Moses, go and talk to them. One more time, you go and talk to them. You tell them what I'm telling you now. And Moses did. Verse 17, And the Lord said to me, They are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you, Moses, from among the brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. That was the plan. And I suppose, in the grand scheme of things, it's not an overly imaginative plan. It's not really outside the box. It's pretty obvious. It's pretty straightforward. What was the plan? The plan was a successor. 
a replacement. God would give them someone just like Moses. This guy's going to come, and you're supposed to listen to him. Because what he says, God says, is what I'm saying to you. He will speak on my behalf. And so God followed through on that plan. Replacements came. Successors came. Most immediately, a man named Joshua, who would lead them into the promised land. But as the years went on, as the centuries passed, other people came in fulfillment of this promise. Names like David, Elijah, Jeremiah, John the Baptist. God sent people in fulfillment of his promise. Because brothers and sisters, friends in Christ, God always keeps his promises. God always keeps his promises. You know that, don't you? You believe that, don't you? God always keeps his promises. And it's awesome. But there's more. The thing about the kingdom of God, when God makes a promise to you, when God makes a promise to me, immediately, when God makes a promise, when I look at the promises of God, I immediately envision what it's going to be like when that promise gets fulfilled. We all do, maybe. But whatever your hopes, whatever your dreams, whatever your expectations for the fulfillment of God's promises, I guarantee you, when the promise is actually fulfilled, it will far exceed your expectations. It will be better than you can project, better than you can imagine, better than you could ever hope for. God said to his people that day, I will give you another Moses, one who will speak my mind, one who will speak my heart. You should listen to him. Who was he talking about? All God's people say, Jesus. Jesus. I will send you another one. And he will speak my word to you. But more than that, he will be my word to you. Because he will be God in the flesh. You are to listen to him. Because he is a leader. He is a lawgiver. Jesus came and Jesus said, I did not come to abolish the law, I came to fulfill it. I came to complete it. Jesus said, I give you a new law, a new commandment, a new covenant. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The law of love. The rule of love. And Jesus fulfilled that law in his death. By dying on a cross, he became the embodiment of love. And he brought that love into our world to lead us out of slavery. The slavery of sin and death and exodus into a new promised land. A land of resurrection, a land of life everlasting. Brothers and sisters, friends in Christ, Moses is awesome. Moses is amazing. But if you were hoping for a second Moses, a duplicate of Moses, you have set the bar far too low. You get a Jesus. 
This promise is for you, for me, for all people. This promise was for Moses. All those years ago, Moses, you want to set your feet in some sand and some dirt. You want to build a retirement hut to last the golden years of your life until your time on this earth is up. I promise you something more than dirt and soil and sand and sea. I promise you a new heaven. I promise you a new earth. I promise you resurrection, life everlasting. I promise you, Moses, Jesus, because Jesus was, is, and always will be the only one who is irreplaceable. And Jesus is yours. And brothers and sisters, friends in Christ, God brought the people to a crossroads that day. And you've been to a crossroads. And I've been to a crossroads. Maybe something's happened in your life. Maybe you've lost someone that seems irreplaceable. That is irreplaceable. We all come upon these times in life of doubt, of despair, of desperation. I don't know if I can go on. I don't know if I can press forward. But you can. Because God has a plan for you. And God made a promise to you. In that promise, God said to you, I belong to you, and you belong to me. And whatever happens in your life, whatever you think that plan might look like, whatever you think that promise might look like, at the end of the day, we don't know. But I can tell you the most important part of that promise that God makes to you. That most important part of that promise that God makes to you is the word forever. Brothers and sisters, friends in Christ, forever is yours. Do me a favor right now. Imagine forever in your head. What does forever look like? What does the resurrection, what does life everlasting, what do all the promises that God has made to you through Jesus Christ, what does that look like? Visualize it. And whatever you visualize the reality will far exceed your expectations. God has given you more than you could ever hope for, more than you could ever know, through Jesus Christ, in his name. Amen. I invite you to join me now as we confess the ancient Christian.